0: Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to the last edition of Global News and Social Artistry here on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri. I'm the host, Dick Dalton, and each week (laughs) we have the pleasure of I talking to someone who's building a more humane world. It's kind of odd to say that because um, I'm sort of the focus tonight. Uh, I've invited my dear old friend, Mark Heim, to uh, kind of uh, take over here in a minute. And we'll, we'll just have a conversation because I met Mark back in very early 70s. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, before KOPN even started and it was actually mark uh that we'll talk about again uh that had me on his show uh, that led to me having a show <laughs> so we we have lots of touch points that we've uh got to share and uh i really appreciate you mark being with me tonight
1: thank you dick i appreciate you inviting me and i feel honored uh, on your last show to be here and uh I really like the concept that you have of local, the fact that you combine the global and the local in the way you do in the the show you've been doing. How long have you been doing the show now? A little over five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. Time flies, you know. right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It really does. Yeah, you were doing uh, Evening Edition. Uh, I did that for 20 years. 20 years, right. Yeah. And it was actually part of your winding down time, wasn't it? When did you end your show? Well,
1: that's a good question. I think I started doing the show in 97, and I think I did my last show right at the end of 2017.
0: Right. And see, I started my show at the end of 2017, Uh partly because, well, maybe totally, because you had me on your show to talk about the book that i had written among other things that we talked about Mm -hmm. and another programmer was out in the next room listening as he was preparing for his next day show san francisco jack Mm -hmm. and uh i didn't know that he was paying attention but we met him over at lupus a couple of weeks later at one of doug ely's music uh, nights at the general store and uh, actually marcia my wife started talking to him first and she came over at break and said hey dick there's there's a guy over here that has a, a radio show on kopn <laughs> and uh so i went over and met san francisco jack and he said oh, i'd like to have you on my show because i heard you talking to mark heim about uh you're not your thoughts and and that really you know Uh so i was on his show uh which was a wednesday morning 10 o'clock and within two weeks he gives the word that his son has asked him to come back to san francisco to start or not start but to help out with their business and he says i need somebody to take over my you'd be a great person to take over this show so uh, we went to to Dave uh, Himmelgard, I think was uh, one of the board members at that time, maybe the the president of the board, and uh, said, "Can can we just do that?" <laughs> and uh, he knew me, so he said, "Yeah, well, it, it's a sounds great." Uh, and I had to come up with a title almost instantly, and local news and social artistry just it just sort of fell out of my mind <laughs> uh with a nice ring to it and uh and my first guest was uh, a woman uh, over at the theater department at mizzou who had actually inspired me to go back into community theater and uh and we were off and running mm-hmm. and you know bill wickersham yeah Uh, So Bill was uh, either the second or third guest on because he and I were having coffee down at uh, Lakota off and on. And uh, he had such a wonderful history to talk about his efforts in building a more humane world. Talk about dedication to the non-proliferation and the whole nuclear scene and et cetera. Lots of good memories.
1: Uh For sure. And uh, it takes some dedication to come in every week and put together a show to invite guests. I know sometimes when I was doing my show, I would kind of run out of time to dig up a, a guest, you know. And if I didn't have a guest, I would do a, you know, just a lot of monologue and open the phones and have callers call in. And hopefully somebody has something to say and it doesn't go to good air, but always having a CD or two at the ready if i need to take a little musical break and get my thoughts together uh, i guess you probably have weeks where you didn't
0: have a guest uh ready to go well that's true and and i didn't have the uh fallback that you did however i had a chance to repeat some previous guests Uh (laughs) until they changed formats or you know they changed something and then i'd have to be a a little more creative but uh i think we always had a show either a new a guest or like a repeat of a of a program that had already run except the day that doug ely was to be in the studio with me and my wife marcia and this is kind of a fun story because doug you know doug ely fairly well um he's not a guy that likes to talk about himself and certainly not on the radio Mm -hmm. well it's sort of like and doug you're probably hearing this and i'm telling stories on you so uh, just have to tough it up man (laughs) we sort of courted doug for months and months and went to boonville and went to lupus and met over in columbia and And we just delighted in his company. And uh, finally, uh, we felt as though altogether, the three of us were comfortable in coming into the studio. And as soon as he got out of the car on Broadway and put his foot on the sidewalk, the station shut down. Uh, Seriously, it went off the air. Mm -hmm. We went up the steps and there was no KOPN airing. That's the power <laughs> of Doug Ely. <laughs>
1: I guess it could
0: be. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I attribute it to, to Doug. Uh, but we recorded it up in the uh, recording studio anyway, and then had it there to play for uh, another day. But that was, uh, that was a really <laughs> odd moment in the, the history of the show. Well, one of the things that happened
1: at KOPN when I was there was they had a policy that if the station's transmitter went down, we would keep the programming going uh, using just our live stream on the Internet. So mm-hmm. there, there were a few occasions where I came in hoping to reach the large, massive people in Missouri listening to the show on their radios i uh, say large mass with just yeah. a little tongue-in-cheek. Yes. But instead, all we got were the people who were so dedicated that when the show went off the air on uh, the broadcast frequency, they were able to tune it in on the Internet at kpn.org, And that was all fine, too, but uh, did feel like I was speaking to a smaller, less crowded room of
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I never knew how many or few people we're listening it was it's one of those mysteries of uh of the radio when you don't have any real feedback i mean unless there's a people that will comment on a page or say something hey i really liked your show and uh, every now and then i would hear from someone i remember laura whacker saying once you know that was a really good show you had (laughs) And so I knew, oh, wow, Laura's listening. Okay. <laughs> and here and there, little voices would chime in. And and it was like, wow, well, they're listening too. Well, that's cool.
1: Yeah. One of the things that's kind of fun about that is sometimes you'll be in a situation. It might be on a checkout line in a store. It might be uh, at a party or a gathering or some event where somebody looks at you and they go, I know that voice.
0: Voice, right?
1: <laughs> you're, you're on the radio, aren't you? On KBIA? Well, KOPN, but yeah, I am. <laughs> was, uh, but it was. It was always uh, kind of a fun thing when somebody. Well, I know that voice. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard you
0: somewhere.
1: <laughs> well, you know,
0: you seem to have a whole lot of people that wrote books. Uh, yeah, and I got. The impression that you probably read most oh of i read enough
1: to <laughs> conduct an interview with them <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, those books they have lots of pages in them dick you know i know I, i've had a few 600 pages you can't read all those pages so you read the ones that are at the front and you check out the ones <laughs> at the back and you open to a couple places in the middle you know you do what you can
0: i didn't know that mark and and so i had <laughs> i had limited my my uh authorship of people <laughs> so <laughs> that i'd have at least a month ahead of time to start reading their book and uh and talking about it and and, and had some fascinating uh I, you know uh gene shinoda bolan mm-hmm. uh, she Came on the show, I, I was kind of shocked that she was willing to do an interview. And we had a delightful time uh, talking about her work. And uh, uh, she, it, 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 it was right at the time of COVID. And mm-hmm. uh, she had heard this poem that had been written, I believe in Ireland, about um, the beauty of nobody being on the streets. And the beauty was that people cared enough about each other to stay home and not infect somebody else. Something, something sort of along that line. But, uh, you know, the fascinating woman, I didn't know her history, but she was so gracious and uh, delightful on the phone. Well, at that time, I was doing live, but well, actually, no, you know, that was right after. uh uh, we had to go to zoom Mm -hmm. and so uh we were on a zoom call that's how that worked out yeah which saved me a lot of money by the way
1: (laughs) you'd have to drive back and forth
0: i didn't have to drive to columbia and back to jeff city uh once a week (laughs) uh Uh, and those quarters that go in that parking meter down in front of this the old station (laughs) yeah Uh we we had to start getting uh Rolls of quarters because of that. Uh, but you didn't have to worry about that. You had a bicycle and you just biked I in and
1: often would chain it up to the bottom of the stairs, back steps outside the Peace Nook, outside of the KOPN, I mean. And yeah, yeah that worked fine. Yeah. But, you know, you talk about books. I, somewhere early on, I don't remember just when, I got on a email list for a publicist for books and she was a publicist for generally progressive politically progressive or otherwise uh interesting uh to a progressive audience kinds of books mm-hmm. and she would just send me un unrequested reader copies of these books you know because oh. uh, they were hoping we would uh you know, put their authors authors on the air and uh, go ahead and uh, interview them. Mm-hmm. So she would send out a copy of the book, a blurb about the author, and then stuff about the book, including sample questions you could ask. I very rarely use their questions. I like to make up my own, mm-hmm. but it was always an interesting little uh, guide. If I did one of those books, I did other books too that didn't come from that publicist, but. Uh, that that did uh, give me a, an in with a number of different authors and because uh, the authors knew that I'd been lined up by their publicists, you know they were more likely to just say yes if they were asked to do an interview so yeah. that worked out well
0: well I had a the occasion uh, where a publicist had contacted the station and, a email came around here's uh, an opportunity if anybody wants to interview somebody about this book and it was the book called i wonder if you've read it uh, it's called trailblazers i'm trying to hold it up but my frame is frozen at the moment um it's about uh the extraordinary lives of ted and pat jones
1: uh-huh i have not read the book i know who he was and in- uh, I think we have him to thank, uh, maybe them to thank for the uh, Katy Trail.
0: Right? Yeah, it's all about the, yes, the amazing dedication that they had uh-huh. to the the preservation of uh, wild places and, and the Katy Trail as a walking place and the money that they donated and put in and the politicking and et etc., And the humble lives that they led had a farm just uh, east of town. Uh, Didn't live in St. Louis with the 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 Webster Groves folks, you know. But he's multimillionaire and uh, very, very successful in business. But had a wonderful time. I I read the book and talked to uh, the fellow that had worked very, very closely with them, and uh, just it was so educational. Uh, learned so much about missouri uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of that glocal thing again it there were at the time these uh trails that were being or railroad lines that were being turned into trails uh and they caught on to that idea and uh, away they went with hey there's a Katy trail right here
1: they, they had to fight the farm bureau every inch of the way too
0: yeah and uh a fascinating story of him at the uh, uh our legislature where he was at the committee hearing and they uh <laughs> they were not really wanting to pay the money that was going to cost to do this certain things and uh <laughs> so one by one he went down the line and talked to each one individually and said well so uh it, well if you had this much uh, would you be willing to do it went, oh yeah, yeah well if you had this much and so they all agreed that if they had x amount of money that they would be willing to do it and he said well here's the check right on so <laughs> nothing they could do or say at that point could you know keep them from uh, voting yes uh, for that i guess people know that his firm was edward d
1: jones right
0: edward so. d jones it changed to uh, i think edward jones later after he passed but yeah that's the company he took over from his father made a made it his own in a sense uh yeah so people like that <clears throat> have been so informative to me another one i'm thinking of uh is jeff gibbs You familiar with Jeff Gibbs? Doesn't ring a bell. Planet of the Humans was a movie that he made. Uh Uh, He used to do uh, most of the video work for uh, Michael Moore's movies. Hmm. So um, he had had a lot of experience in the area of kind of looking behind the scenes. (laughs) He, so he was looking behind the scenes of the environmental movement <laughs> and not to, to stop the environmental movement, but to say, hey, uh, if we're really doing an environmental movement, let's kind of look at all of these things. Okay. Well, a friend of mine here in Jeff City had suggested I contact him to see if he would do an interview. And he said, well, uh, I will if... Uh, we can talk on zoom first and I, I want to see what kind of equipment you're using. Well, at that time I wasn't using a microphone like this. I was just using the computer's stuff. He said, no, no, we're not doing a, We're not doing an interview unless you get a microphone and, and get your setups, get your headphones, get, get setups. And here's the kind you need to get and da, 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 da And then we'll sound good, a whole lot better. Believe me. well he was exactly right of course uh so that was about i think two years ago and ever since uh i've stayed here with zoom and using the mic and certainly the quality of uh, of the sound has improved uh at least from my side uh immensely so that's that was a good step you know people teach you things and uh if you're willing yeah there's lots to learn Can I uh, take a moment and say hi to our listeners, uh, whoever is out there in listening land, uh, whether you're listening live to our show here on uh, KOPN at 89.5 on the dial, or maybe you're on uh, our streaming service, uh, KOPN.org, or maybe you've uh, caught the podcast uh, sometime later because you saw the link on Facebook or Uh, heard about the show. Uh, Anyway, we're glad you're with us. Uh, We appreciate your support for KOPN, uh, for community radio, for building a more humane world. And uh, thanks for being with us. I'm Dick Dalton, the host, but this is our last show. So uh, I'm talking with my old friend, Mark Heim, who had his own show, uh, Evening Edition, for 20 years. And uh, wow, you know, Mark, you probably remember going way back to the grocery that you started in the Dalton building where KOPN was housed for nearly 50 years. Do you remember what year? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do. The community
1: grocery opened in early November of 1971. Okay. I I moved here in October, late October of 71. Some of my friends, including Steve Reichlin, who I went to high school with, Mm -hmm. uh, had initially uh, had the idea of setting up a food co-op. I came through here on a hitchhiking trip from uh, out in California back to New York, where I'm from, uh, right after Labor Day, early September of 71. And when I came here, they were just starting to figure out that the co-op was going to go into what's now the Dalton building mm-hmm. uh, in the that front area where you had uh, taken up residence at the time. Mm-hmm. And I offered, since I was really interested in co-ops and had actually been a volunteer to co-op in Eugene, Oregon, where I had spent most of that summer, I guess I volunteered. I said, I'll come and work for a year for free. And just, uh, you know, that's a good deal. You know, you get, get somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, but is enthusiastic and, Uh, It was a learning curve. We had all kinds of interesting things happen over the course of about three years that we were in that space, from late seventy-one till I guess would be mid-summer, late July, early August of seventy-four, when we finally got booted out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if do you remember why we got booted out, Dick?
0: Well, I had already uh, moved out because I got married, and I had less. Time in the building. So I'm not sure why you got booted out.
1: Well, when you moved in there, there had been two bathrooms side by side. And you put in a stall shower in the space that was one of those bathrooms. And that stall shower, there were some problems with it. (laughs) Uh, And I should mention, underneath us was the pinpoint and brown shoe fit. Yeah, Uh, And Brown Shoe Fit took the brunt of our water spillage Mm. because there were several occasions where water came down in the kitchen area in that that back room, which we made into a packing area. And made got it fixed up so it met health department regulations. That was good. But we flooded them a few times and they were kind of frustrated with that. Some shoes got messed up. Uh, And then the shower was messed up. So whoever was working on it took the uh, the shower head and moved it over and lifted the actual shower up and sort of out of its drain. I guess they were working on it and they left it and somebody came along, a oh, no. uh, vagabond who was on the road and really needed a shower, I'm sure. And oh, no. he uh, he asked if he could use the shower. The person who was a volunteer running the store that day, this was in July of 74, she said, sure, go ahead. And he went in there and proceeded to take a shower on to Brown Shoe Fit. (laughs) And your dad had been really tolerant of us hippies up there doing all kinds of strange and different things. But his tenant who actually paid the bills for the building was pretty upset with the number of pairs of shoes that were ruined. Mm. and uh Warren said you guys are going to have to move out yeah Yeah. we have been planning on moving out anyway we were looking for a street level location Mm -hmm. and KOPM was needing more space so there was a general agreement we were going to move out we just had to do it sooner than we were ready to gotcha that that was in the summer of 74 and I had moved on by that point in time I wasn't working at the co-op I was a member Mm -hmm. but uh I wasn't one of the people was running the show
0: well i'm kind of curious now if if i have uh uh, substituted names in uh, my memory bank i was walking over across the street from ernie's it Mm -hmm. might have been in 71 in the summer and Mm -hmm. some guys were playing hacky sack and Mm -hmm. i walked up And somehow I thought I met you and I thought we talked about what you were interested in, in terms of a grocery place, because you were at a farm east of town. Hmm. Now I I
1: moved into that, that farmhouse, Stony Brook farm. Yeah. Stony Brook. Yeah. Yeah, I moved in there when I moved to Columbia in, late october of 71 and i stayed there uh, for a few days around labor day when i was passing through and had been there earlier in the year when i was on my way to oregon Mm -hmm. but i didn't actually take up residence there until right before the co-op opened Mm -hmm. and i would imagine might have been steve who you were chatting with prior to that
0: that's interesting yeah because i i always i have always told the story that it was you (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so it might have been steve what, Rice, what reich was this
1: right reichland
0: reichland okay yeah. and, and he, he's he, he moved still on lives
1: here in columbia
0: oh you he know, does
1: he, yeah he's not active with uh, some of the things i'm active with but he um he still well, lives here and,
0: if you ever yeah. bump into him you might tell him that dick dalton has a question about maybe meeting him Across from Ernie's, <laughs> okay, and, and Steve. Steve was part of
1: the group that set up Stony Brook Farm, and also bought the acreage out in Calway County that became known as the Calwood Farm.
0: Yes, uh-huh.
1: uh huh. And uh, yeah. he lived, lived out there for a while. And there were a number of other people who were involved in that group who were early co-op members. Uh, mm-hmm. People like Roy Finley, if you remember, you know Roy. He still lives around here. Mm-hmm and
0: uh, well i remember there were some meetings back in the big room uh called the parachute room with uh uh, richard catlett uh was present and i'm not there's just one image that is in my mind about it so i don't know what the meeting was particularly about might have been about uh getting raw milk or you know some resource thing but richard had the uh
1: especially yeah. foods which yeah
0: right
1: and he was a union organizer and a tax resistor and uh yeah I, I don't remember him being at a meeting but i maybe he just wasn't at that meeting
0: yeah i'm sure lots of things were going on did you have any role in the the kop in the new wave corporation um well you
1: know they they decided to move into the 915 east broadway location While I was still the full-time coordinator for the Mm co-op, and I do recall uh, discussing with them and with you and with at that point Perry was still running the crafts co-op.
0: Perry Spray. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Uh and uh, we, uh, you know, came to a conclusion that the Integral Yoga Institute was not going to move in as they had planned, and that KOPM would take their place, doing one-third of the rent. I Hmm. I believe we were paying $150 a month Hmm. uh, in rent, which meant it was like 50 bucks for each entity or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Amazingly uh, small amount of rent compared to what rent is these days, but of course dollars were worth more and harder to get back then. Sure. Uh, Yeah, and uh, I remember a table being set up in the lobby uh, with a sort of name your. Name your radio station, kind of a, not contest, but like uh, a poll where people put several different uh, call letters, frequency, oh, not frequency, the, Okay,
0: so I K-O-P- didn't know that.
1: KOPM, which OPNs for open, in, as an open access,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it was one of the options. And there were, you know, several others that I don't remember because they didn't end up being our <laughs> station. KOPM right. did. but. Yeah.
0: Uh, Oh, I'm glad to hear that story. I, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. You mentioned the
1: raw milk conspiracy. <laughs> maybe maybe is it time to reveal what happened with that?
0: Did I say conspiracy? Did I use that word conspiracy? You, you just said raw <laughs> milk. <laughs> but um,
1: I, I I can tell that tale briefly if you'd okay, like.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, sure. Are there are people listening that uh, it's a burning question to them. What what's this guy
1: talking about? Yeah. So back then, as now, uh, it's illegal to sell raw milk unless you're selling it on the farm or unless there's a certified raw milk uh, thing that is very expensive to do. And I don't even know if they do that in Missouri at this point. But what happened was there were some people who really wanted to get raw milk. And there were Amish folks up in the north part of Boone County, up near Sturgeon, who wanted to sell their milk and could get more money for it as raw milk than uh, they could just selling it to a dairy. So some people talked to some people and got worked out. And we started off just once a week and then went to twice a week going up there and getting raw milk. We also got sorghum molasses from them and some eggs from them. And we did it on a pre-order basis where people would say, I want to get a gallon, or I want to get two gallons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had milk cans uh, that I think held 10 gallons of milk each. So we would take our milk cans, we'd sterilize them. Mm-hmm. in that Little kitchen you had set up, we put a little pot of water and steam and use steam uh, sanitizing to the thoroughly cleaned and washed out milk cans, put the lids on, put them in the vehicle and drove up to sturgeon well uh after we've been doing this for yeah, i don't know two or three months something like that one evening i went in there i wasn't on the run that day i was just going to be the person meeting and greeting them when they came back and helping divide it up because we come in with 10 gallons and people have their gallon jugs we pour them into their jugs and mm-hmm. whatnot uh so i got there and we were ready to receive them. I don't know, it was like 8.30 in the evening on a Friday evening, I think. And this woman's there who had ordered some milk and she um, she was sort of apologetic, but kind of have a sense of urgency and said, uh, I actually work for the health department <laughs> and they sent me here as an undercover operative to buy this milk. And then they're planning on coming and arresting you.
0: Ooh, wow.
1: <laughs> you were planning to arrest us. for wow. distributing raw milk. And she mm-hmm. said, I don't want you guys to get arrested, but I'm going to go back and tell my boss that your vehicle broke down and you didn't get milk. Wow. But if you keep bringing raw milk in here, you're going to get busted.
0: Yeah. Wow. So. What <laughs> a story.
1: Yeah, and she, I I don't know her name. She might still live around here for all I know. This was 50 years ago.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, This was 51 Mm -hmm. plus years ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. In any case, we moved the distribution location out of city limits. Mm -hmm. At that point, we didn't have a city county health department. We just had a city health department. (laughs) So. They let, it, they let it fly, and we, we continued to distribute raw milk for a period of time. I don't remember how long.
0: That was out on Route E, wasn't it? Uh, someone had a little farmhouse out there?
1: Well, we we distributed it at two different locations. Uh-huh. One was at Stony Brook Farm, and the other one, mm. I don't remember where it was, but mm-hmm. somewhere uh, maybe west of town, maybe northwest of town. might have been on Route E, mm-hmm. but it wasn't where we were getting the milk
0: from. All no. the milk was coming from the Amish. Uh, and uh, in, in terms of pickup, do you remember Martha John, Hurst John, one of his daughters, uh, uh, being working to help pick up uh the milk at the Amish? I,
1: I don't remember that. Okay. I
0: I, I, I was it. I was with her Who in does... a van one time and uh, her brother John John mm-hmm. and we went I up to we Sturgeon okay and we went up to uh to get i think it was uh the raw milk uh up into sturgeon yeah
1: i don't i don't recall that dick but mm-hmm. yeah a lot sure. of years yeah a I, years have gone by
0: i had a, an interview with uh, uh susan newstead uh-huh. and uh we were trying to remember certain things back in the day and I, that memory popped through my mind to ask her about and of course she didn't know about it because it wasn't her it was her sister yeah. martha that would have been driving
1: yeah, yeah well, susan and john lived out at uh round oak farm out south of town like mm-hmm. near nashville baptist church i guess sap that area mm-hmm. uh, i don't remember just where it was but uh i remember being out there a few times and Yeah, Susan was instrumental at the station for uh, several years, and I think moved to California and Mm -hmm. still does community radio sort of stuff out there, doesn't she?
0: Uh, Well, she's retired from that. She's still on the board of the Bon Foundation, uh, B-O-N, that uh, group out of um, Nepal, I believe it is, Uh, and... um, Yeah, but we had a really good conversation. Actually, it was last spring uh, in the old station, uh, radio station, where we were interviewing her. And uh, I finally got it edited and uh, aired it just uh, day before yesterday on the show. Yeah.
1: I missed that one.
0: (laughs) That's okay. Um, Yeah, so um, you had in your show call-ins but mm-hmm. uh I, I never well i can't say i never we actually did a, a maybe one or two call-ins with the, when i was doing live shows there at the station and dennis Freshner was my dr was my uh, engineer but you know once you do zoom you lose your opportunity for uh any kind sure. of phone in and uh So it it became a a different uh, kind of opportunity. And we sort of had a private way of, like we're doing now, uh, face to face. And even though my face is frozen on the screen, uh, I'm still back here talking (laughs) through my fancy microphone. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know whatever happened to San Francisco Jack after that. But I do remember the following year, uh, my father died
1: at uh, age
0: 101, Mm -hmm. and uh, I had previously had a a woman guest on the show, Diana Rankin, and uh, invited her back for a second round uh, about that time, and uh, she, (laughs) she had some very interesting things to say. Uh, she's kind of a, one of those people that can interact with people that have passed on, and uh, she let me know that uh, she apologized a little bit that that I hadn't asked her to do this, but she said, I, I reached out to your dad, and uh, he just wanted you to know that he's fine, and that he's going to send you a message uh, the day of the funeral, and it'll either be some kind of an electrical thing or some other little aberration. Well, lo and behold, not looking for it, that actually happened. Hmm. And there, <laughs> my daughter and I were talking, and uh, as we were standing there, a book fell off of a counter and hit me in the foot just as we were talking about my dad and the building, the Dalton building. And uh, we took that as an important sign. But I wanted to to go on to say that Gary Kramer uh, and my dad had all kinds of interactions because of my dad's column on the Tribune, in the Tribune, and he would research things at the Historical Society, and Gary Kramer, and he became good friends. So, uh i asked gary to come on the show um just about the moment that uh the funeral would have been well it couldn't have been the time that the funeral would have been going on well i can't say however that worked anyway we did a celebration of my dad and uh it it was so kind of surreal in that he was well he had just passed on but uh I don't know. That's just memory that's coming mm-hmm. back now. What book was it that fell on your foot? It was that uh pamphlet that he had written about that street uh where the uh Daniel Boone Hotel was that, that's it the, the hotel covered up that one street that uh went through there. I'm I'm kind of blanking out on the name of that little the Guitar Street. Guitar Street, yeah. And there were about five or 10 of these pamphlets just stacked up there uh, on a counter next to where we were having our conversation. And it was one of those that just decided that it was time to fall off of the counter and hit me in the foot. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so it was not a one of his big books that might've broken a toe, but <laughs> thankfully he was, he was very kind to me at that. Gentle moment. nudge. okay. A, a gentle nudge. Right. Yeah, well, it had to do with uh, whether or not the family, you know, if I wanted to have a, a say in buying the building, because I had an interest in KOPN and I had an interest in the history. And and uh, that book falling on, pamphlet falling on my foot got me aware that I needed to do everything I could to look into that possibility. So I went to a bank, got money approval and talk to realtors and good friend of mine, Dick Mendenhall. And uh, Dick said, uh, well, you know, it, it would not be a wise investment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so with that advice, uh, we let it set. And the, uh, along comes a, a doctor and buys the building sometime later. But, so it was a, a good moment for me what a building uh you know there never was much repair up there and uh i remember perry spray you know we had to take out the one window and <laughs> make it a doorway and he built the sort of back entrance uh, out of a he was quite a carpenter and uh, built the uh the back stairs out of wood and then later certainly got uh, replaced with that metal thing but
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. let me ask you this you say a window got replaced by a door
0: mm-hmm.
1: where was that
0: well right there where we used to broadcast from you would go out and turn to the right and there was a step
1: up oh okay yes
0: that step yeah. up was getting you up into the windowsill window
1: sill, yes okay yeah well, now i know what you're talking about <laughs> it was
0: you know kind of an ingenious uh way to solve a, a problem but uh, mm-hmm. it worked and yeah, it got the approval of the the big wigs over the years um i have had a chance to interview a lot of uh i would say a dozen or two of my old students from lincoln mm-hmm. who have gone into various you know, professions, some into politics, uh, some into psychology and, and clinicians and all kinds of different things. So that was a, a, a great um, oh it was good for me to recontact old students and have them share their successes uh after Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um i was able to have some folks uh that i didn't know from mizzou uh who were on the faculty or had been students at mizzou um i don't know did you ever know Reuben fologi um, yeah okay
1: the
0: uh, uh, 19- <laughs> right uh-huh 1950 uh-huh. Mm-hmm. and uh i ended up catching up with him when he was down in florida but uh, had a wonderful uh, interview with him and recounting those days and and the uh, he brought up the the word microaggressions that uh, he and every black person that ever went to uh, Mizzou or probably anywhere else <laughs> encounters in just their day to day lives and uh, how he he was still. Still working through that uh, in his profession there in, in Florida as a psychologist. So uh, that was uh, an, another cool outlet. I had some teachers from Lincoln that uh, I got to have on. There was a guy um, that I've had on three times now, uh, Clint Rogers, with uh, he's part of this well there's a book that got published called ancient secrets of a master healer Mm -hmm. and uh i didn't know clint didn't didn't know anything about it but somebody had recommended him to you know he'd be a good speaker you know Mm -hmm. and uh so he he agreed to an interview and just before the interview his teacher of 10 years that he had followed around and and documented the work of dr naram And who the book was about and died and so i had the first interview with him after his his teacher had died and it was just a very poignant um mm, touching kind of an interview and i have kept up with him through the years since then and we've had a couple more interviews so that's been a, a way to reach out because he has a zoom gathering that uh has people from all over the world talk about glocal you know it's that was reaching out to people and he's the book has by the way gotten published and uh translated into i think 10 languages by now and they're targeting 30 so just going off the charts um i'm kind of reminiscing now on some different uh guests Uh, there's a group we
1: have a lot of different folks with a lot of different experiences
0: yeah it's well you know, when you it's think true. about it, everybody in some way I I like to think is trying to build a more humane world and that may be a little optimistic but <laughs> I, I'd like to think it the KOP and listeners anyway uh, are trying to build a more humane world uh-huh. and uh, it wasn't hard to find people. Uh, it was like they would almost fall into my lap, um, generally, but, uh, there was a couple, they're not a, uh, uh well, two folks down in, in Jeff city have started the building community bridges, uh, dot org. And, um, I had them on as guests and I tell you, that was one of the most, uh, mm, energetic, <laughs> It was like a church service. <laughs> it was, uh, one of, one of those high kinds of things where you have two people and their energy just feeds on each other and got my energy going. And <laughs> we, we could hardly turn the show off. It was so, uh, so cool. And I don't know what's going to happen to, uh, all of these interviews. I've, I've got them all on my computer. Um, I guess we'll have to see if there's a way that they can remain in the transistor archive podcast or uh, some way. I'd like to, you know, have a way for those to be accessible in the future, but maybe I'm just hanging on and I need to let go. Maybe you need a website (laughs) and
1: put put them all up there. Let people come and check them out
0: yeah well, I've never done an actual website myself uh, You I
1: want to get somebody who knows more than you or I do
0: then to do it <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> I
1: I haven't either but uh, you know it's certainly within the range of doable uh, and it needn't be expensive I mean the the cost of uh, domain registry and uh, you know some uh, something for hosting it's not all that much money so
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Something to think about, something to yeah. think about. So the reason I'm uh, kind of closing up shop on this, uh, actually maybe several reasons. Um, one, it was getting to be a bit of work rather than just mm-hmm. kind of exciting and fun uh, because there would be edits to do on shows and, and it, like we've talked about uh, Maybe reading the books of someone or or finding a new guest here and there, here and there. Because a new guest every week is sometimes a challenge. Um, so that was one thing. It was kind of working on me. And uh, then I got a, a, a chance to do a role in a, a community theater in Jeff City that's coming up in April. Uh, we're doing Grumpy Old Men, the musical. Uh-huh. And i was asked to do the jack lemon role so i it's been a long time since i had such a large part <laughs> in one of our plays and with all the other kinds of volunteer things i do in town i felt like i was needing to let go of something and it was feeling more and more like uh the radio show might be the thing that uh, was going to need to be put on the shelf and uh, i i'm i'm sure that that's uh, going to turn out to be the right move although uh, it's a niche that uh, i would like somebody to kind of you know have conversations like we get to have uh in that vein but uh, has anyone
1: expressed interest at this point?
0: Not to me personally. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much uh, the word is around that uh, this is happening, but uh, you know, Jets, our new executive director, and uh, Dylan, they're they're both uh, aware of that, and and uh, so we'll see. We'll see. It was a it was a challenging time slot to move from ten in the morning to five in the afternoon uh i'm not i'm not sure that my show was the right show for drive time radio but uh anyway or to prepare dinner i i'm always preparing dinner and marcia's listening to the news and i i even forget my show is on at five o'clock <laughs> so <laughs> i usually have to pick it up on the you know on the archive
1: <laughs> well, it's the old thing if- Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's right. right.
0: <laughs> Particularly if I'm cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're about to wind up our time. We certainly uh, filled it with some memorabilia. That's been fun. Yeah. Well, I
1: thank you, Dick, for your service to the community doing this show for five years. That's good stuff and appreciated.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's interesting how we've been sort of entangled these uh, fifty years. Uh, mm-hmm. You at the Peace Nook and and uh, Peace Works and all that you do. Uh, I know that you're, you're you you're almost a celebrity, Mark. <laughs> Actually, I think you are a celebrity. Uh, I would uh,
1: more think in terms of uh, <laughs> rendered infamous.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, you know what one memory i have dick it's a really good memory uh, just very shortly after i arrived here maybe within the first week that i was in town before we'd even opened the co-op you were working as an apple picker mm-hmm. out at an orchard out i think alexander's town, yeah mm-hmm. and you got some kind of a agreement with them that they would let you bring in a crew of people to pick apples for a day and we get the proceeds to go to the Help Yourself Center wow. for whatever we picked. And I went out, and you went out, and several other people who were volunteers went out. And we had, you know, the bags that apple pickers wear around our shoulders and whatnot. And we were picking apples. I remember you singing in the vehicle. Me and my friends were going to pick some apples. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great yeah just remember that that apple picking
0: a happy day yeah a happy day well thanks for yeah yeah thanks for the memories
1: thanks to you dick dick and be well and may all go well and hopefully someone else will come along who will do something with this slot on the radio
0: well you know we both left empty slots didn't we so
1: yeah
0: yeah well i love you man take care good care yeah thanks and friends remember wherever you are that's your world please leave your world cleaner more peaceful and more loving than you found it because if it is to be it is up to us take care and talk to you whenever i see you next